Housing's not like that. It's a slow turn. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time for that to actually come to fruition. So you do get warning shots, but those warning shots may only give you two or three months. So if you're not getting an update, but say once a quarter, or maybe you missed the last one and now you're coming every six months, by the time you find out that there's been a shift in the marketplace, you're in it. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Azria and our Arizona family. Thank you for being here for another episode of the Azria Show. On today, we have our very special guest, Tina Tambor of the Crawford Report. She's our senior housing analyst. But before we get to Tina, we always got to give acknowledgement to our executive director, Mike Delpreet. How are you doing, Mike? Wonderful, wonderful. Excited for today. Okay, good, good, good. So we're going to be talking about the market update. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the market locally. We're going to talk about interest Mm -hmm. rates, unemployment, housing. So you guys, you really need to pay attention and be well abreast of what Tina is going to be sharing with us on today. So Tina, how are you? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm great. So how did you gain the title Senior Housing Analyst? I'm sure you had to know about the market for years and years and years, right? Well, I technically I've been an analyst for 30 years. So I moved here to Phoenix in 1993. That's where it all started with a large title company. And I was in sales for 10 years for title insurance. And, and then I joined Michael Orr with the Cromford Report, who's mathematician and analyst in his own right. And we've been working together now for... 13 years, let's see, I started 2011. So at the beginning, the first January 1st, 2011. So I'd say that because not only have I been watching Phoenix real estate specifically in my capacity as an analyst, but I've also lived it as a salesperson during the bubble and the crash, that dual experience for me, I believe helps a lot of our subscribers and our clients okay. put the stories and the experience with what's happening in the numbers. Perfect. So that's a big jump. Title sales. Yes. To data. Well, actually went from data to title sales and okay. I cried for three months. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was real. That was the hardest thing. I was always an analyst first. And okay. I learned sales and how to talk to people. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So how'd that, how'd that happen? You, obviously you're, what, you said 2011. So it was after the crash, the market was probably, it was steady because it was probably like it's stale. The bottom of price. Yeah, it was, it was at the, the bottom. bottom of price at 2000, in 2011. That's when things started to turn. So unemployment, mm-hmm. well, the bubble started in 2005 mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. started to show weakness in 2006. And then, of course, 2007 and eight is when the crash happened. And then unemployment hit. That was mostly tied to the real estate industry, frankly. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of our industry was tourism, real estate, construction low end call centers, which were re- retail, mm. and all Got of it. those went down all at the same time. And so wow. we had massive unemployment, but it peaked in 2010. So right around 2011, and I had been working in the title insurance industry, I had gone through hmm, one, two, three logos in, no, about no. A, in a year. Okay. So, Oh, meaning company to company? 
No, I didn't move. My company, first company sold, and then uh, the company mm-hmm. it sold it to, Land America, if you remember them, they went Mm-mm. down the toilet in less than a year oh. due to the bond market. Got and it. 1031 mm-hmm. exchanges is what was their um, iceberg that they hit, if you will. Okay. And, and then they were purchased by, the escrow and title was purchased by Fidelity National Financial, which changed the name to Lawyer's Title. Got it. So those are, I didn't move. I got you. They're still there. Yeah, I just get, kept getting a, a you know, a, a uniform change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so by that point, that was like 2009, I, I decided that Going through that experience and not knowing what the numbers were because I was in sales and not really having a good grip on how to prepare and and respond, we were always in this reactive mode. We were reacting to it, not preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Oh. And um, that's what put me back into analytics because Got I'm it. like, I do not, the PTSD is strong from mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. and i do not want to navigate another uncertain time without having the data and mm-hmm. the analytics to at least guide us through like headlights in the dark you know right. we can't tell you where the end is going to look like but we can tell you what's around the corner yeah yeah you know? so did you did michael like how that relationship happen you know interestingly enough i in the 90s when i was an analyst for a large title company, I met Tom Ruff with the information market and mm-hmm. we became friends just professionally because we would buy his data mm-hmm. and then we lost touch. And when I decided to get back into analytics, I called up Tom because I was going to be independent. Right. Got it. And he, as we were coming in, we had a meeting at Starbucks and in walks Michael Orr. And at mm. the time, Mike had launched and he was speaking and he had his product out and he was, you know, getting hundreds and hundreds of people at these speaking events. And so he walked in, I'm like, oh, uh-huh. you know? yeah, I'm like, cool. oh my God, look, we're in the same room. And then he comes and sits at our table and I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Oh, so wow. apparently Tom Ruff and Mike were very good friends. And okay. so my introduction to Mike was Tom saying, hey, Mike, this is Tina Tambor. She's one of us mm-hmm. from my friendship in the nineties when I was in That's 20s. like a mafia term. It was crazy. I know. <laughs> Next thing you know, Mike was like, great. And then he started just cool. He's like, oh, you're going to be coming into this. Let me give you all of this Everything. stuff that I have no time to do. Okay. And so that was the beginning of it. And then the Cromford Report was really part of the MLS for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there was a decision that was made in 2012 to not have the Cromford Report a part of the MLS services. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we went independent. Okay. And so we've been independent now since 2012. So share with us your relationship with our founder. Oh, yeah, Alan. <laughs> so Alan had a relationship with Michael Orr, and he okay. was coming. Michael was was presenting to the Azria group for, you know, like once a quarter or mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for a while, and they had a friendship. And so when Michael got too busy, then Alan started giving me a chance. And so, but in 2011, I was really green okay yeah so nobody knew who i was back then and alan continued to give me that platform to hone Mm -hmm. my skills learn from the the investor population as well and kind of come up with different angles Mm because every time i do a a public speaking in-person event i would get feedback on questions that we may not have answers to at that time and so that was great for the creativity of of this this new endeavor i was on mm-hmm. to create charts that work 
for investors as well. So yes. that's when we created a lot of our flip. I created the the flip map so you can mm -hmm. look at a map and say, oh, okay, here are all of the properties that were bought and sold within a certain time frame that you can control, that you can see who bought it. Mm -hmm. You can see what they paid for it, what the final sale price was, how long they held it, and what the percentage gain is versus the dollar gain and all of that color coded on the map so that came directly from my experience cool talking the, to azria there's a lot there though you went so your data my assumption is you're probably more introverted maybe not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm you are right now <laughs> yeah but no in, in that time though yeah. like like michael's like i'm busy you got to go take over azria and do the presentation so you're mm -hmm. thinking you're mining in the data creating creating mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. then you got to present it on stage Mm -hmm. And then you got to present it to maybe like a new group versus agents, like you yeah. said, you, you know, so there's a lot going on there. You had there was to. a lot of change. I yeah. mean, I had been in sales for 10 years, so talking okay. to people the, I uh, could do, mm -hmm. but the topic was, I don't want to say different for me because I did have a basis to work with, but it was definitely a, a growing experience mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. able to take people's theories if you will like hey they'd come to me and say what do you think about this i think this is happening blah, blah, blah. and i'm like well let me go look at that and see if that theory tests true right. and that's i think what we do most of the time is we take a lot of the experience that people have on the street and we often tell them that they're right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but sometimes we might be like well you're right but you're not like it's not extreme right it's like this is happening but it's not something to be worried about or this is happening or it's like a seasonal thing or sometimes it's this ha is happening you better watch out mm -hmm. awesome. so, so 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 on that let's talk about the importance of a market update mm -hmm. you know especially we hold a market update you come every other month here at Ezria mm -hmm. at the venue 8600 which we really appreciate so what's the importance of an update why should an investor attend and why should they listen well, essentially, you don't want to be caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And the wonderful thing about housing as a the difference between housing and, say, the stock market, it's the difference between a big oil tanker turn and mm -hmm. a speedboat. Mm -hmm. So some of these markets like crypto can turn on a dime, oh, yeah. stock market can turn on a dime, and you can get surprised by that, right? Or maybe you're not, but you only have a little bit of notice to mm -hmm. make your your choices. Housing's not like that. It's a slow turn. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time for that to actually come to fruition. So you do get warning shots, right. but those warning shots may only give you two or three months, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not getting an update, but say once a quarter, or maybe you're, you missed the last one and now you're coming every six months, by the time you find out that there's been a shift in the marketplace, you're in it. You're yeah. already feeling mm -hmm. it. And you don't want to be like, oh, I, you know, my rental's been vacant for a month. I better go to an update. Right. You, right. Well, like that. you need to, you need to be dropping your rents before you see vacancies. And you made it during COVID, which you were here for us at, at Ezria on Zoom and everything, keeping all our landlords and up to date was something that stuck out to me was you showed a timeline because, you know, the market was like, we're going to, you know, the, the doom yeah. and crash and which we all felt crazy, mm -hmm. some crazy at that time. No one mm -hmm. knew. But you would say you said something like you were saying, "Hey, the last time we dropped, it took like six or eight months or something." Yeah, going to your point, and so you're saying, "Hey, we're not even there yet." You know, am yeah, I right? You have time. Yeah, you have time. You have you're time, letting, yeah. and none of the math at the time was supporting a crash, and that kind of puts me back to last January too. Remember when Goldman Sachs came out and they predicted that Greater Phoenix would see mm -hmm. a 2008 style price crash. 
I mean, if that doesn't send shivers through every yeah, investor well. who survived that time frame mm -hmm. or excitement. I mean, one of the two, yeah. like, whoa, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Or, oh my gosh, I've got homes. Like, you know, all of that. Um, but to be able to come in and say the math really doesn't support what Goldman Sachs was saying at the time. And we lean into what we know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that Goldman Sachs came out in August and said, oh, yeah, we don't believe that anymore. Mm, right, <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, thanks yeah. a lot. So if I had based my investment decisions on what Goldman Sachs had predicted, I probably would have lost out mm -hmm. on, That's true. unless, you know, they used it and been like, hey, you better sell to me now. I mean, sometimes they can use that, but you can use it with true. the with the confidence that I'm going to buy this and you know, the numbers are telling me that prices are going to go up. So I'm going to go with what my numbers in my area say mm -hmm. and not necessarily what Goldman Sachs says yeah. unless the math coincides. And so that's where I believe we gave a lot of investors the confidence to continue to run their flip models and you know, in a different market, a different seller's market, but a seller's market nonetheless, which is the only kind of market that is, sustains that type of activity. In regards to interest rates, let's kind of go down that road. What are you thinking? Mm. What are you seeing? Because there's a lot of different speculators out there saying, hey, interest rates got to come down. It's going to take massive unemployment for interest rates to come down. Kind of mm. what are you thinking, you know, as a local professional in this market? I can tell you that I feel really bad for housing analysts that are asked every week when interest rates are going to yeah. do because uh -huh. they've been wrong so many times yep. and we've often said said at the Cromford report we don't predict rates we let other mm -hmm. people be wrong about rates yep. you have to deal with the rate you have today is it reasonable to expect so instead of doing predictions i i like reasonable expectations yep. so in in the last presentation we went through where the arguments lie in the in the media right now so i just almost finished watching a, a debate between two analysts throwing out every single analytic you can imagine to try mm -hmm. to figure out which way rates are going to go, which way prices are going to de go, demand, supply, all that stuff. Um, and I was loving it, but I also realized that most people probably turned that off really early. <laughs> they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. But for me, I'm like, well, this is exciting. But as far as where rates could potentially go reasonably, I think it's reasonable to expect that these rates will not be at these levels forever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, garnering, garnering when they're going to come down means that for flip investors, it's probably not going to happen during their whole time. Whole time. Okay. Yeah. I, I think we're in a very gray area of uncertainty right now. Uncertainty for sellers, uncertainty for buyers, but uncertainty in general, they don't like to move. Nobody likes to make, most people don't like to make a difficult decision or a big decision in a, this cloud of right, uncertainty. Right. However, there are going to be people who have to, that no mm -hmm. matter what, that is their certainty. Like I am certain I have to do this. I'm in distress. I'm, you know, going through a divorce, whatever right. it is. And so those are the environments you have to work within. But if you're going to hold it for say three to five years, you're going to sell somebody mm -hmm. who's going to hold it for three to five years. Then I think that those rate buy downs give people enough hedge okay and so i think if i were flipping i would be budgeting in 
the rate buy downs. It's funny you say the the seller carry or the buy downs and everything. So we're actually negotiating a seller carry right now mm -hmm. at five point five percent. So are you noticing in your data like more creative deals coming through, like seller subject to seller carry with lease options? We don't get those in public record. What we get is whatever's recorded. Got it. Mm -hmm. So if it's not recorded, we're gonna, not going to know about it. But Got we it. do have some. We have a finance type. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing an increase in seller. They do have to record if it was a, you know, seller finance yeah. and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, it's the title switches. So we are seeing, we're not seeing an increase in bartering. That's actually an option as okay. well. Okay. We're not seeing a huge increase in seller financing, mm -hmm. but they are there. Mm -hmm. We are seeing a lot of FHA. Mm. FHA is the one, the one thing that's actually you can see the growth rate especially yes. under six hundred thousand. under six so why are you mm -hmm. thinking that that growth margin is there with fha um fha did three things the first thing they did was they increased their loan okay. amount mm -hmm. and so that pushed them into that five to six hundred thousand range first okay. of all they also allow more concessions for somebody who's getting fha they get they allow more concessions for sellers often okay uh, compared to conventional mm -hmm. and more dollar amount. And then the rate is lower. The it rate usually be... runs about a quarter to a half point. But isn't it still unaffordable at some level? Like being first FHA, time home buyer. When FHA went above six and a half, mm -hmm. that we really saw a, a big mm -hmm. tightening there. Because again, the sellers might be able to buy down the rate, but it's about whether or not they can buy down the rate with the acceptance of FHA, FHA with the amount of money right. that they're allowed to. And, and so that's something you have to talk to a lender about. I'm not as familiar mm -hmm. with all of the guidelines under FHA, mm -hmm. but that's the one thing I, if you're looking for any major increase in trends, that's what I've been noticing. Uh, well, it's funny because just two years ago, Flippers didn't want to sell to FHA buyers. Now it's like, where are the FHA buyers? <laughs> oh, FHA has come out every single time the housing market has had an issue. So remember that back in 2008 and nine, specifically when they did the first time home buyer credit, mm -hmm. FHA mm -hmm. came out with the, what was it called? The 203K? Yeah, yeah, which was the renovation loans. Mm -hmm. And that was an FHA product. It was a pain in the butt for every lender, yeah. but that was, that was that where was it was moving. at. That yeah. was what was gonna get a first time home buyer into a home that had been literally trashed. Trash, and yeah. yeah, just, I mean, just, annihilated and it also helped a lot of the builders i don't know if you guys remember this or not mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the the flippers were working with the builders and the builders would take the buyers and give them a tour of their their stuff their cabinets mm -hmm. and all of that their upgrades and so they would go in and the buyers would pick out their cabinets they'd pick out their carpet <laughs> and their like paint build, just huh? like it was a new build and then the builders would come in and they would do it according to fha so it was like this whole oh, thing wow. You know, and they're I and love the, that. That's yeah, the, the being creative and always adapting is something mm -hmm. we have to do this here. This market is mm -hmm. the. When I say yeah. this market, I mean the housing market specifically is, in my opinion, the fastest responding industry to any change, government wise mm -hmm. or market wise. You have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of squirrels, mm -hmm. all working in their own best interest. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, and when, and what's so amazing about this industry is that when somebody finds a solution, they share it mm -hmm. and then it gets implemented yeah, like boom, out. like that. 
And I love that about our industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for good or bad sometimes, yeah. but I love that when COVID came out, this industry was really fast to everybody. Within literally days, everybody was wearing masks. They were doing showings with like mm-hmm. the hand sanitizer was out. We're like, we're doing business, people. This, yeah, this yeah. is not keep gonna, it going. We're gonna. <laughs> I don't know. They're like, they got all the booties on their, sh- mm-hmm. you know, everything. Mm-hmm. They're sanitizing, uh, but they were out there implementing changes to make people feel better about buying homes. And the people who did that, the realtors and everybody who did that actually did their buyers a favor because now if you bought during yeah. COVID shutdowns, you did very, very well. Yeah. Very. Yes, you did. Yeah. Congratulations to those that did that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that despite scary all the to fear, do that. Yeah. there were a lot, a lot of scary things, but you know what? The buyers knew. The buyers knew right away if you had been searching for a home for the previous three months or whatever before COVID, and all of a sudden you see all these Airbnbs come on the market mm-hmm. and they're in good shape and they come with furniture and they're, mm-hmm. you know, yep. well priced. They're like, I don't, well, virus or no virus, I'm, I'm gonna go that. get that house. <laughs> and it's not only the retail buyers, but just the, as you probably both noticed, it's a different when the market's changed. A different type of buyer comes in, right? Like over the last so many years, it was that. Hey, just learned about real estate. I can make some money. You know, they say, though, the janitor's a fix and flipper now, right? So you, we hit yeah, that yeah. stage. And I remember when it, everything crashed in 09, 10, it was a different type. It was like China, Australia, California, Canada. It was just that savvy yeah. investor that knew what was going on and they weren't scared, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, mm-hmm. there was a little different activity going on with the dollar then. So what happened okay. with the Canadians specifically, Can- yeah. Canada came in and forced yes mainly because the canadian dollar came in even with stronger yeah they were dead even so for them everything was on sale like this is amazing we don't know when this is going to happen again so they came in and a lot of canadians bought Mm -hmm. maryvale Mm -hmm. homes mary i mean how can you turn down a home that was literally less than what your car costs with land 20 30 grand block you're getting it for less than what it would cost the build you're getting it for essentially land value mm-hmm. i mean i remember seeing twenty five thousand for a, a full-blown single family home in maryvale so, so what do you yeah. think about what's going on what's going on today like what are your thoughts i don't think we're gonna see that <laughs> yeah, so yeah yeah well, there's still we're people just gonna reminisce people are still predicting um, that type of yeah. stuff like the doom but, and gloomer yeah oh, of course yeah but the numbers don't support it got it mm-hmm. so that's why you know mm-hmm. you have to have the numbers in fact if you looked at just what's under contract you'd be like this you know, the level of activity is very similar to 2006, which, you know, triggers all of our PTSD. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember what supply was back then. Supply was at like, we were building way more than the population had been growing. We had a lot of builders stuck with vacant homes. We had 54,000 at our peak wow. in the MLS. That would be, if we had, oh, there's nowhere to, where are we gonna get that? Yeah. We don't have that kind of vacancies now because we're we haven't been building to accommodate the population growth for a long time so what, so, are, what are your thoughts how do you think as recently we saw the adus are available are able to go forward now yeah that's nice it's nice and then in co-living that whole like not so much airbnb but like workforce housing like pad split that's out there yeah i've about- heard about you know where they're taking like three bedroom two baths and converting mm-hmm. them the same footprint into like five bedrooms yes. in the kitchen mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yep. I've heard of that. I think what's happening with things like that when you start consolidating, putting more people into one rental, mm-hmm. when at the same time you're seeing your build to rent 
single family homes are coming on the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are starting to see a shift in rentals right now. And okay. we have seen a pretty big increase right after the Super Bowl, but it was an increase that had been happening prior to the right. Super Bowl. But a lot of people put their long-term in a short-term rental and then went back to long-term after. And mm -hmm. so we are at, I've only been tracking rental inventory since 2018, but we are at the highest we've seen. And it continues every month to be a little bit higher. And wow. what we're seeing for the first time since May is since May, we've started to see those asking rents come down. Okay. Mm -hmm. At the same time, that supply line has been rising. And it's coming down in both the median asking rent and the dollar per square foot as well. And for the first time this last September, we saw the median rent drop below 2200 So I've had literally twice yesterday, I had property managers call me and they never call me. Okay. And they're That's like, uh, you know what's happening in the rental market? <laughs> <laughs> like, we, vacant, we have vacant rentals all of a sudden. This is weird. So I think what we're seeing is a consolidation or a, not a consolidation, but a two things happening where you have the, the build to rent single family mm -hmm. that were being built for the last two, three years is now done. Like they're coming on the market and they're directly competing with single family rentals. Okay. At the same time, you have the pad splits that are consolidating mm -hmm. your renters. So instead of having three people in a in a fourteen hundred right. or whatever square foot home, you have five, which means that now you have two people extra in that place that would have been renting your two bedroom, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And so that kind of it's a household formation thing. So when you see household formation shrinking, people moving in together that leaves a vacancy. Right. So two households mm -hmm. in one, you're going to have a vacant listing. And so that's what I believe we're seeing in rentals right Got now. Where And those rentals, if they can't get a, a long-term or short-term tenant in there, they may turn into a property for sale. Gotcha. And so yeah. that's why we watch the rental market to see if that's where we're going to get our supply mm -hmm. in the sale market. Can it be just like a whole nother demographic though of someone that just can't afford even their own two bedroom? Like, can that be a part of why they're going to pass? So like, would that necessarily bring a vacancy to a general landlord's two bedroom apartment? Well, I, um, I kind of touch on that, Tina. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, Mike, because we have higher incomes. So right Do now, we? That yeah, is true. we have higher incomes. Yes. In this in this state. So I don't okay. see that dynamic where lower incomes where people have to do a pad split. It may just be a functionality. People mm -hmm. just rather be in the center core and instead of paying for I don't need this extra bedroom or extra space, I can co live. I yeah. don't know. Personally, from then now we're just talking about my preferences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going back to my 20 something person. I, mm -hmm. If I was 20 something, if I don't get to pick my roommates, I'm not. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough. That's yeah. yeah. not going to work for me. Because especially for sharing a kitchen, I'm not cleaning up some stranger's plates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Doesn't work for me. I'd rather have one roommate in a two bedroom, two bath situation if it's comparable mm -hmm. in price myself. And I'll drive. Yeah. But the thing is that I think more and more landlords now of single family homes are seeing a more creative, they're accepting more creative situ situations. I know of at least one landlord that had three roommates in his three bedroom, two bath Tempe home and had a parent who was responsible for the rent. And that home had a, a revolving door oh, of roommates, but he never had to deal with it because he the was parent. the parent. Yeah. 
and the and I guess the grad student that was in there. Okay. Monitored basic everything. monitored everything. Yeah. Okay. Although yeah, that, that was my thing with, <laughs> with the co living is you know because the employment is high mm-hmm. and and the income is high. I just don't know where that dynamic is for that individual. Yeah. I just yeah. want to consistently do a pad split. So the thing is that the the argument that prices have to come down because we have to get into a place of affordability. When you look at the affordability numbers, a lot of these companies that put out affordability rates and stuff, they have to go off of the census. And the census mm-hmm. data is only, even the feds, I looked it up, the feds only have data for Phoenix for 2021. 2021. Yeah. And so you can't use 2021 data mm-hmm. for 2023. Let's yeah. face it, our incomes have been rising and if you even just look at our employment reports which are which are public, mm-hmm. you can see that even the hourly wages have been growing at over 5 around 5% five per mm-hmm. year, which is about the where we would be in housing. If you take a long-term 20-year approach and say, okay, well, we were we were going up 5% per year from 2001 through 2003 in our median price then. If we had continued on that 5%, just mm-hmm. slightly greater than the rate of inflation, right? And we continued all the way up till now, we would be very close to what our median cost for cost. a home under 2,500 square feet would be. Now, I could always take that and apply it as well to first-time home buyer homes which would be like 1500 square feet Mm -hmm. or less you know but it would be the same the line looks the same so frankly we're just slightly higher than where we would be if we had had a five percent annual appreciation rate and now if you look at our income since 2015 we have overall the average is about four percent a year but in the last four years it has been five percent a year and so and I'm looking at household incomes. I'm also looking at hourly wages mm-hmm. that all support that our incomes are coming up. So what I'm thinking is that you could potentially see home values stagnate, maybe mm. go up 3% a year or a boring 5%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it would just catch up with that line, mm-hmm. that long-term line. And then our incomes would come up and get us more into a range. I, I could we, see that happen within the next two years. I like that because I th- especially something Alan will always say at the market updates, it should be boring. You want yes. that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit more predictable in a sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Knowing nothing, not much is going on. You know, be helpful with your flips. Your yeah, reads. I don't get much work that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. I know, it was really boring in 2015 through 2018. <laughs> I know. I remember joking around with Tom Ruff at one point that he's like, because we have to write these market updates. And he's like, what are you writing about? I'm like, I don't know. It's boring. What are you writing about? He's like, what we need is a good crisis. You know, (laughs) that was, frankly, we we did not bring that. that. It was, that was in 2015 and 16. So we didn't bring that into the universe. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing is that, that, you know, when things are uncertain, then the analysts come out. When things are boring, that's when you're, your clients are like, ah, we don't need to listen to Tina right now. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But you just never know when things are going to get stirred up again. You just you don't know. know. And- That's why you said be prepared rather than react. Yeah. Did I say that right? That's right. Did you always want right? to be preparing for instead of reacting to. So like, let's just put it in last year, for example. Mm-hmm. The Cromford Market Index, We were. I presented that at your, your meeting, mm-hmm. that the Cromford Market Index 
right around February, March was weakening. And it's like, y'all need to watch this because yep. you don't, there's a time when you want to just stop buying. Right. Right. And if you ever see a double black diamond drop on the crown for market index, that is your big red flag. Do not buy homes, sell what you have and wait, just sell it for whatever you can get for it and wait. And the time for that would have been between March and April of last year. Okay. Had people not bought homes, I bought, okay, let's just say I did buy in June and I knew what I was doing because I was gonna mm -hmm. hold it for a long time. If you're gonna hold it for a long time, it doesn't right, matter. Right. But if you're going to flip it, then you don't wanna find yourself buying at the peak when, mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you see that line coming down because when you start to see it, it ha happens in the outskirts first. If it goes on for too long, it'll hit the inner cities, you know, mm -hmm. the, the central cities. And so you have to watch that real quick because you don't want to be stuck with a home that you can't sell. And now you have to pay your your payments on it. If you yeah. got a loan, you have to then pay for rate buy downs. You have to do fixes. You have to do mm -hmm. all that stuff all because you're in a different market at that point. And, you, yeah. and if it's taking you four months to fix it up, you know, a lot can happen in four months. So right now we are seeing the crown for market mm -hmm. index weaken and it's been for about four or five weeks now okay. Okay. and it's happening in just about every city except cave creek <laughs> which weird we are seeing our outskirts like maricopa and queen creek and uh, casa grande and goodyear are all now back back in balance not okay. not so not buyer markets they're just in balance mm -hmm. markets right now okay. but with that you have to watch as a flip investor your own individual city that you're working within to make sure that you would change your strategy to say okay well here's a home that I don't have to do a lot to I can I can turn yeah. it quickly yeah. and then I'll take another look right but it, you might if you're looking at say a big rapid change in Chandler which is our number one seller market by the way and you want to make sure you're still in the seller's mm. market but you start to see a big change in there then you might be like okay well maybe i won't take a four-month remodel well I, I have a story like even even with my wholesale hat on whole as a wholesaler you might be listening and saying what do i need to know all you know it mm -hmm. it's changed my life listening to the market update just in, within my business dude i remember alan was it was years ago it was at that point when uh, where houses were creeping up on 200,000. So it's probably a little mm -hmm. while ago, right? And what do flippers do or retail buyers do when it starts to get unaffordable, right? They shift to condos or townhouses. Mm -hmm. And then who follows them? The flipper follows them. Then who should follow them? The wholesaler should follow them. So mm -hmm. once he said buyers are shifting over, I just mm -hmm. next day turned all my marketing off to houses and turned it all on to condos and townhouses. Mm -hmm. And then immediately I did like three wholesale deals within that next two months, just mm -hmm. on that, those lists to condos. Mm -hmm. so oh, there's yeah. so many ways you could take advantage of the And I'm telling you what, I never underestimate how one small change in policy could, yeah. could turn, yeah. like right now, nothing's happening on this. So I'm just gonna throw it out in the universe, okay? Mm -hmm. okay. I would love, love, love to see FHA change their policy on condos if they because right now we have some wonderful condo complexes in central phoenix but nobody can get funding on them because mm. they are mostly investor owned yeah and mm. a lot All of those investors ratio. yeah Got and sometimes it. by okay. one investor who yeah. bought them yeah. for a dollar in 2011 mm -hmm. so they're never letting loading those cash cows right. right so that's kind of doomed these complexes to always be investor 
owned, mostly investor owned or cash like an, only. See, right there, you saying that type of thing makes me think, where are those? I should go look at yeah. those. Well, those are, but might the be thing is, deals. you can't flip them to somebody who's going to get a loan. So you can only flip them to somebody who's cash. Yeah, yeah. if you're a landlord, you're right. looking for more buy and hold that discount. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, and also you have to look at the condition. Oftentimes, these investors don't like to increase their HOA fees because mm -hmm. they want to keep their profits but sometimes the maintenance of some of those can go downhill yeah. because they're not living there see so it a little bit of changing could go a long way but fha ever since that collapse in florida of that high rise yeah has been very very strict on the condition of the condos yeah. so while i agree with that i think they should do that i think they should also say hey you know what maybe the condition would be better if we had fewer investors, investors and they there. and yeah. i can tell you i'm sure lots of investors would be happy to sell those condos if they knew it was going to mm -hmm. go to an fha buyer because they'll probably get more for it right. yeah then that's another thing the values I've, would go up i have dealt with investors that do they might get in a tight spot and they want to sell and they're struggling yeah. to sell so yeah, yeah. it works many so i mean ways. little changes like that could change your change your whole world in a second you know if they ever if lenders ever decided that these 3% mortgages could be assumed, mm -hmm. I mean, our lives would change overnight. So talking about policy, it made me uh, think of one last thing before we wrap up. Mark Simmons on law in Arizona Multi-Housing Association put together a list. There's 25 anti-landlord bills proposed next mm -hmm. year. And, and basically they're saying if we don't vote properly, we can be the next California or Oregon in regards to landlord-friendly state mm. do you see any impact on our market due to those policies i haven't read those particular ones mm -hmm. are they in the arizona legislature or is it national these are all arizona arizona and they're not, i know the there's a national one called the stop predatory investing act nationally that was introduced i think don't quote me on this he said that was the first time he if biden put that out i think it was like the first time he ever saw the feds interact with house rentals ever is interesting well i mean i think we can we can thank wall street for that yeah you know yeah. and whenever well, our crazy rich friends point. come to the marketplace they mess everything up that that's the mm -hmm. key point because i think it was like 60 70 percent of rentals no rentals in arizona are mom and pop landlords yes. as a member so mm -hmm. it comes out of our kids tuition or our retirement when these laws are made mm -hmm. for wall street right so that's, that's right and so i think that um good representation would be mm -hmm. i mean and i would say when i say good representation i mean kind of a a reasonable one acknowledging that things got a little crazy mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. but not because of mom and pops yeah but just because you have these now big players in yes, the single family mm -hmm. rental space you know with build to rent and all of that i mean they are a force and you want to make sure that their activities don't, you know, impede. So what I've noticed is that the act on the federal level wants to focus on, you know, entities or individuals who own a lot. Yeah. A mm -hmm. lot. And now your definition of a lot and my definition of a lot yeah. may be different. Right. But they, this is just where, and it's only been read on the floor. It's just a bill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Since Capitol yeah, Hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's only been read, but they at this point they're looking at entities that own at least fifty, single family, specifically. Okay. Yeah. 
So if we can, and when I say we, I mean you, Mm-hmm. <laughs> we collectively can give as much information to the legislature that they need to make good decisions. I think that's yeah, that's very w- true. Would be the most important thing to do. So we got to stick together, Arizona landlords. You can't just give em- emotional yeah. pleas. You have to have some hard, measurable data for them to make a good decision. So in true. terms of of any kind of regulation, um, but they've they've been beat up. I mean, let's face it: you had large companies coming in and buying up condo complexes and forcing people to sell and turning them back into apartments and pretty much kicking people out on the street. Or when you're saying about the FHA, these the hedge funds were coming in first time home buyer couldn't even buy a house. I know because yeah. they're out they're paying above retail. Absolutely, <laughs> so, absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. No so I mean, those are the things that I mean. Yeah, maybe we should have some checks and balances on that type of activity, but you don't need to do blanket right regulation no, on mm-hmm. mom and pops. Or in fact, when we were going through COVID, most of the single family operators in Asria. Mm-hmm. who had single family home rentals were working with their renters during yeah. covid mm-hmm. um had almost almost no evictions mm-hmm. i remember happening. like the alan would do the polls on yeah, zoom yeah that's right? what i remember too yeah. it did not match the news exactly yeah so mom and pop mm-hmm. people were not kicking people out on the street yeah, right. that's so true they they were working with their long term tenants because they have relationship with these things, absolutely they you know? know them right versus the mm-hmm. you know the large institutional buyers you're just a number you're a spec on a on a spreadsheet so yeah yeah that mm-hmm. commonality wasn't there so and this yeah. is the reason why we need to be at the monthly meeting right because mm-hmm. tina does the market updates yeah. we have legislation coming in from you know mark mm-hmm. zimman all of these things are key components for us to stick together as Arizona investors to inform the public, to inform national, to let people know, you know, that it's not just the big box or the big players, but mm-hmm. it's us, the individual investors that's affected. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. so your voice is yeah. definitely needed and needed to be heard. So by attending a monthly meeting, it's it's mm-hmm. it's there. Well, <laughs> and it really helps me too. It helps me. I always learn something at the meetings because it's not just me, the speaker often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's usually like, I learned a lot from the water speaker mm-hmm. because a lot of times my data listening to them, I, I, I can put two and two together. Like, oh, that's true. if I, you know, I learned that there was a, a large complex that could not get their water certificates. And I also knew from our own data from Michael Orr that Invitation mm-hmm. Homes had just come in and bought an entire subdivision mm-hmm. because they couldn't get their water certificate. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about now. So you can start putting the two and two together. That's true. And the thing is that uh, water certificates are needed for builders to sell to the public, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. to investors. Got so it. that's why Invitation Homes could buy could that. Buy right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm pretty sure because they bought, bought that subdivision pennies on the dollar. I know that I'm sure they got a really good deal. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, I'm not privy to it. We'll have to see what mm. it, you know, what it came out to. But so before we wrap up, I know you were saying something about the changes affect outside and then come into the to the city center. Mm-hmm. I said Chandler is like one of the best markets here and and um, the it's area. the number one seller market right now. Yeah. And why is that? Why do you think that is? You know, I think it had a lot to do with Intel expanding. 
okay. over there. It is in a very good spot in the Southeast mm -hmm. Valley, well-priced, and the product is good there. Okay. They have a diversity of product as well. You know, you've mm -hmm. got the north of the south, south part of the 202, and then you've got south part. I mean, they've got, and they also have, I just think they have a, an attractive okay. area. Pretty... School systems are good, all of that. Mm -hmm. So between Chandler and Gilbert, Gilbert was also right up there in sell okay. market territory. But they also don't have a lot of new home construction. Right. So right. new home construction is what balances out a market. That's why Queen Creek never quite got into a seller market. Mm -hmm. But but Gilbert did and Chandler did. Mesa was also in there, but Mesa also has new home construction. No, so yeah. when you have that added supply in there, it just keeps Balances. it. Yeah, okay. it just keeps it a little more balanced, which is great for buyers, mm -hmm. especially the incentives the builders were putting out there, yeah. put resale sellers on under a lot of pressure to offer the same right. things. Cool. All right. So how do our members find you? How do they see you? How do they get access to the Cromford report, all um, of the above. So, so here's the thing, the Cromford report, all of our MLS based stuff, mm -hmm. only real estate agent members of the MLS. Got it. Of okay. The Arizona regional MLS specifically mm -hmm. are allowed to have those subscriptions. That's part of our data license with them. That's how we have permission to download all mm -hmm. of their stuff every okay. day. However, we do have Cromford public, which is where all of the, the flip activity has to be done through public record. That's not an MLS piece. Okay. So our new construction permitting, all of the flip activity, that's going to be in the public side that's a that is a annual fee of 240 a year okay i believe it's 240 yeah and in coming up mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i am working on doing some videos actually i'll do one right after this okay i'm putting together a video library for subscription-based videos which can be anybody can have those sub subscriptions and so okay. i'm working on either a subscription for that or a pay-per-view option for that and cool. i'm sure Azria could have a, a coupon code okay. for those, yeah. but it, I have to get my library together. So we're still working on those would not be live. They would be pre-recorded at this point. Okay. I have not find, found a good live streaming product yet. So those, I think that product line is going to be really good down the line, just five, five minute snippets mm -hmm. of the market, focusing on different areas and topics that I get asked about quite a bit. Cool. And cool. you'll be with us in November. Yes. You'll be speaking at Venue 8600 in November with us at our monthly mm -hmm. meeting on the second Monday of the month. It's going to be our 22nd anniversary as well. We always do something fun. We do giveaways, raffles mm -hmm. with all our business associates. So come check out Tina in November or every other month here at Ezria. Is it CromfordReport.com? Yep, CromfordReport.com. There you go. Perfect. Well, thank you, Tina. My, always appreciate My pleasure. It. Thank you. Thank you. Another successful show. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.